It is Locked on Jazz for the 27th of January. Ask LOJ digs in heavy on the trade deadline. Buyers or sellers? Should we use draft picks? Can we get a number one contract? Will we take bad contracts? Should we tank? All those questions coming up, plus a points gained Friday and a look at who points gained All-Stars would be. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for being a part of this group and being making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcast apps as well as on YouTube where you can join the community. Hit the subscribe or follow button to join the group and be a part of it. And also, if you're on YouTube, please hit the little bell button so you get notified whenever we go live so you know the first moment and get all the information first. All right, Ask LOJ Fridays. You guys have become so great at this. It's become one of my favorite shows uh, with all your fabulous questions. And then Friday, points gained, we kind of do about every other week. Heavy trade deadline stuff today. Let's just dig straight in. Um, All-star starters were announced for Salt Lake. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Giannis Adekumbo, Jason Tatum, and Donovan Mitchell. What an incredibly awesome honor for Donovan to get that vote and become an All-star starter. He played it too. It's not just got the vote. He's played. He's been great. So uh, that is awesome. Uh, first time for Donovan uh, to get that. The captains, LeBron and Giannis, will draft their teams before the game in Salt Lake City, which will be pretty awesome. That's must-see TV um, to see it. Joel Embiid is probably the big snub on one side. We'll talk about it. It's one of the questions um, coming up. So we'll And hopefully Lowry Markkinen uh, will be named a starter uh, or named a reserve when they um, name the reserves. Uh, coming up here shortly, so we'll find out. All right, let's get to it, right to it. A lot of great questions today. Um, a super one to lead us off. You guys have been great. Uh, so let's get to it. And this is not trade deadline related, but it's too good not to miss. This one came in early. Curious your opinion. Every time Thurl Bailey tells a smaller defender's mom to get their baby out of the street, I still laugh. Does this make me a simpleton? Serious, how great is Big T? Love it. So, you know, I don't share a huge amount about the inner workings of like what it's like for us on the road and things like that. But I cannot tell you what an incredible human being Thurl Bailey is. Uh, This guy will single-handedly get me through 82 games this year. His energy, his positivity, his legitimate concern of how you are, his um, authenticity each and every day is one of the great things I've ever got a chance to be around. My day gets better every time Thurl walks in the room. And it is like, that has, uh, I worked for a guy named Jim Lampley early in my career. And uh, he was able to like bring energy into the room. And that has always been my goal, is that every time I walk into a room, I want to pick the energy of the room up. That I don't care what else is going on in my life. What can I do to make the energy in the room better? Thurl is a better person than that. He actually makes the room better. He makes the he makes the world feel makes he makes you feel better. 
Um, so just to work with him, be around him every day. This is truly one of the great human beings um, that's out there. And the fact that question came in, I thought was a great opportunity to share that, guys, with you. Like, he's just truly the best. Um, whether it's 2 o'clock in the morning, um, he had a funny interplay yesterday. Like, I, he got on the plane yesterday, legitimately asked, like, how was your broadcast? I gave him a lock answer, which is too deep, too thoughtful, overanalyzing it and being a total freak. He laughed at me. My answer was, I don't really have any idea. It's weird to call a game where the best player on the other team is the star of the show, and you don't know whether where you went. And then it's even weirder when the guy has a Utah tie and seems okay to root for him because he's Dame Lillard and he's just such a great dude. And so what do you do? And so on the drive home last night or two nights ago, I listened to the broadcast and then took some time afterwards to really analyze it before I went to bed. So at 3.30, I texted Big T. And then realized I shouldn't text Big T at 3.30. Like, so at 7.30 when I got up or 6.30, I texted him to say the broadcast was fine. Da, da, da. And we just had this funny interplay. And you actually legitimately think he cares. It's a great example. So I just wanted to share that. He's, he's truly the best. All right. Let's get to the trade questions. Um, all right. Guys aren't trade. Given we aren't trading Lowry, Abaji, or Walker, it's hard to tank with those three. Would you rather get core playoff experience, win or lose, or full tank uh, the end of with zero playoff experience, I'd rather have them learn and grow through knowledge. So, few things here. I actually love Lowry, Abaji, and Walker. I agree that those are three. You know, the season. This is the big picture thing. I, I think everyone realizes, but let's make sure that we all, as a group, have this together. The season's already a win for the Jazz. So we have found out that Will Hardy can coach. We found out that Lowry Markkinen had another step in his game, and the two rookies you acquired from Minnesota and Cleveland are good. Walker's really, really good, and Abaji seems to have a role and might be better. Like, well, let's see. Um, you know, uh, Abaji's been a late developer at every stage of his career, um, which, you know, he leads me to believe he, he just has to get comfortable in his surroundings. Um, so hopefully he continues to get better and better um, and understands what he's capable of doing and, and understands how to thrust himself on the game. Uh, but the... So, but with that said, I actually, if you wanted to tank with those three, you'd have no problem. You'd have no problem. I mean, they're not that good. Um, the league's really, really good. That's not a criticism of them. The league's just really good. So I'm not sure I agree with the premise, but let's go with the first question. Because I think this is the one that like comes to almost every question we're going to get here for a little bit. Um, for example, like here's our next question. Is it... More likely the Jazz would become buyers instead of sellers at the trade deadline of the young players that could move the needle or fits to become available. So this is part two. So let's go back to part one. Um, or, you know, here's the next question. These all kind of come together. Is it better for the Jazz long-term to make a pivot at the trade deadline towards truly tanking for their own six-ish pick, acquire other picks, and try the best to keep a winning culture for our young guys to make a playoff push? So let's let's go with this. So the first one is, you know, full-on tank. I don't think you're going to see the Utah Jazz make trades with the intention of creating a result. So in other words, maybe that could, that could frankly go either way. I don't think they're going to make trades to try to create a result this season. In other words, I don't think you're going to see them just dump Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, so that we win three games the rest of the year. They're just not, that's not... At the same time, I don't see them taking on a rental for the final part of the season just to make the playoff push. So 
I think you can eliminate both of those two scenarios as we get to the trade deadline. The intentional dumping of talent, something Danny Ainge has just simply never done in his career. Um, and I I just don't see the Jazz doing it. I think the league's been kind of waiting for the Jazz to do it, and they haven't done it. And it's been confusing to the league, and I think they're going to continue to confuse the league through February 9th. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think you're going to go acquire a piece to go push to the playoffs, right? So that's that's the first, I think that answers the first question. The second one kind of in there was how likely is we become buyers instead of sellers? And if a young player that can move the needle fits becomes available, OG or Collins. So I think this has some likelihood because if you were to acquire John Collins or you were to acquire OG Ananobi, for different reasons, I think it could improve your team as a piece to build around. I mean, we have the beginnings of the foundation, right? I don't know that we have the pillar, but we have Lowry, who's really, really good. I think you kind of know Walker's going to be your center. What type of player can you add to complement that? And, you know, you, you're going to need to add other pieces as time goes on. Um, this is why this season has been a, a wild success already. If you think that John Collins, despite a not great contract, like I think he's underperforms the value of his contract, but he's way better player two years ago than he was this year, um, which leads you to believe he's a better, he's got more left, he's got more in his game than he's get, giving right now. Or if Toronto's really about to try to, I mean, Toronto OG is being talked about for, I mean, I've heard OG for three first round picks. I've heard OG for Anthony Simons in picks. Like, I don't see a, puzzle that we're putting together for OG unless we're getting rid of our picks which will be another question we'll get here OG's on a higher scale I think than John Collins in the league right now but if there's a player that's in the right age group for the Jazz and they become available I I think the Jazz would be willing to take that move and do that move so I think that's really a good kind of like that's that's the big picture here like that's the number one question every has are we buyers are we sellers are we playoff are we not and, and, and we'll, you know, and so let's get to this third one, which was, is it truly better for the Jazz long-term to make a pivot at the trade deadline towards truly tanking for their own six pick and acquiring other picks or trying to best keep a winning culture for our young guys to make a playoff push? So I don't think there's any question that there's value to playing important games. Okay? I don't know that you actually have to win those important games. Right? I think there's a value to playing in them and being exposed to them. To some extent, the success of the first 50 games, almost regardless of what we do at the deadline, unless we really go nuts, is going to give Lowry Markin and Walker Kessler, Ochai Abaji, Taylor Horton Tucker, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who you know are developing talents, important games to play. Like, I, it, you know, we really unload, just get a bunch of picks and things go, and we go 5 and 25. Still the first... 10 or 15 of those games are important, right? Um, You know, the Blazers last year lost like, what, 22 of 24 to close the year. Um, So if that something like that happens, then the last part of those games are important. But the first 50 games has meant that kind of no matter what we do coming up here in the next two weeks, they're playing important games. And that's really important. And they're doing that. So there's, you know, is it better long-term for the Jazz to truly tank? Yeah, I mean, there is a legitimate argument This is why tanking is such an issue. There is a legitimate argument that that answer is yes, that you are actually better off doing that. Like that's, that's, 
if that answer wasn't legitimately yes at times, then we wouldn't be having like this kind of ongoing discussion about whether you should tank or not. It would be a no-brainer that you don't and it's bad for you. Well, acquiring talent is super, super important in this league. And so that, that legitimate argument happens um, all the time. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The incredible lineup of Murdoch of Hyundai cars from the Palisade, which is the big SUV, which has just got every bell, every whistle, so awesome. The bells and whistles and what you get for the dollar is, to me, what the signature of Hyundai is. That when you start to line up on a little spreadsheet, or if you're not a geek, just on a piece of paper, um, like normal people, at... All the things you get, the safety features, everything, and then put the price tag next to it. Like, it's unequal. There's just no other company that can match this in that way. And then you have to decide, do you like the way the Palisade looks? Do you like the way the, the Santa Fe looks? Do you like the Tucson? The Elantra, the Ionic, which is the uh, Motor Trend uh, SUV of the year, their electric car, or the Elantra, which was the North American car of the year. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Linden. And in Logan, if you're going to head over, please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com so that I can give you a VIP setup with Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with and you know that unemployment is low, so hiring is hard. And that is why you check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with the people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs and targeting with 875 million member profiles to put in front of most, wow, identify, they identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen rate applicants based on their job qualifications. So right now, go to LinkedIn Jobs and let them help you find qualified candidates to talk with faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. Thank you very much. All right, let's get back to your questions. Your second listen today should be Locked On Sports Today, the 22-minute sports rack roundup. It's awesome. Did you guys watch, listen to Lockdown Blazers yesterday? Mike Richmond, the pass point, first point guard, to see what he said about Dame? It's pretty good. Do you see the Jazz using the plethora of picks to make a trade for an all-star player anytime in the near future? Or is it more likely that they can use those picks to find guys through the draft? So this is the beauty of what the Jazz did in the offseason. When they made the trades, they built multiple routes for their future. So they first acquired players. This is why this year is already a success. Okay, the offseason was a success because what they basically did is they went and took a bet that Cleveland or Minnesota, one of those two franchises, both in cities where you really can't acquire players if something goes wrong in free agency, at some point between now and 2029, we'll have an off-season or a moderately off-season and you'll get garner some really nice talent for two fabulous players in Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Okay, so that was the first bet. So the first angle is here, like let's like Minnesota or Cleveland trips up somewhere along the way. It's, winning in this league 
and holding franchises together is super hard and 2029 is really far away. And we've talked about the, the expected value of those picks increases as the years go on. The second thing they did was they acquired players. And so this is actually where this year is already a, a raging success. Lowry Markinen's an all-star caliber player. Walker Kessler looks like he walked, uh, you know, Will Hardy said it the other day. We expect Will, Walker Kessler to be a major piece of our puzzle playing many minutes, 25 to 30 minutes a night, like he said it the other day. And then Ochai Abaji looks like he's a legitimate rotation player, and it's not clear yet whether he's, you know, a a, a 15 to 20 minute wing defender or a 30 minute Norman Powell type starter. Um, time will tell. So that's the first. So there. So secondly, is they acquired players that are at the right age group, like that are all similarly aged, and then. The last piece of the puzzle, and then, you know, we probably should not dismiss Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Taylor Horton-Tucker. These guys have all gotten a good deal better this year and improved as well, and maybe pieces that the, Colin Saxton has gotten way better um, that the Jazz can use. Like, let's not dismiss those those other players. And they're all in the same age bracket. Actually, Ochai is older than Taylor Horton-Tucker. Craziest thing. Um, the next is that the, we acquired all these picks. And the picks now allow you to have a multitude of ways by which you acquire future talent. Um, You know, if at the draft this year, they put all of their picks in one basket and offered it for Victor Weminyama, I don't think they would get Victor Weminyama, but you might consider doing that. So in other words, anytime in the near future, you ask, eh, maybe not. But is there a scenario where if the right player becomes available and you think that player has a long-term future in Utah and it's going to be a part of when this team peaks and complements Lowry Market and Walker Kessler well, yeah, that's exactly why you have the picks and that's why you'd use them. You know, one of the names we got I got asked about today is OG Ananobi. I think he's a nice complimentary, really nice, really, really nice. I just don't think he's a star. Complimentary player, fabulous defensive player, adds great in transition, switch pride guard one through five, like pretty unique. Do you suddenly think, oh, this is actually something that really works for us and is a compliment in our wing defender. And so you do move one of your picks and now you suddenly have this like, okay, Lowry Markin and OG Ananobi, Walker Kessler, like what's next? Like what's, where are we going next? Um, aspect of things. Um, you know, so I think that that's how you have to, is there a young player on a, um, very good team that needs a little more experience that, you know, frankly, like a, a name I would comes to mind is like Dyson Daniels in New Orleans is a nice player. Uh, if I'm New Orleans, I'm trying to win it right now. I'm not, I don't really want to rely on him for 14 minutes a night in the playoffs, but I think he's going to be really good. But if I might be willing to give him up right now to be able to get somebody who can give me 14 to 20 minutes in the playoffs and really help me. And so did the Jazz go and grab someone like that. They probably wouldn't have to use a pick to get that. Um, but you're, you're doing something of that sort. Great questions. You guys are super. If we are in a 36 to 48 minute rebuild, do you see the Jazz being willing to take on a bad contract like Davis Bertans? It's another great one. These are all of the options. So the Jazz are like $50 million of expiring contracts coming up. It's not the same thing as cap space, but it is like they have $50 million of expiring contracts coming up. Um, so their books can get pretty clear if they need them to. If Dallas is trying to get off Davis Bertans and Dallas is willing to give up unprotected picks, 
Oh, that's a pretty good trade. If Miami's trying to get off Duncan Robinson and Miami's suddenly giving up unprotected picks, that's a pretty good, that's a, you, you've got to just decide, like, and you're probably not winning a championship in the next 24 months, 36 months, then maybe, yes, those are, that those, those seem to me to be very viably good trades to make. And that seems like a very viable way to do things. There's, there's probably some math equation into it on what's worth it and what's not. And I, you know, I don't really know that, but I think that's, I do think those are good. Talk is that the Jazz know that they still need a number one option to contend. Is there no chance Lowry can become that on a contending team or shot creation ability the number one factor? So you're on it, Will. The reason there's a feeling that you need a number one option is shot creation. That Lowry, the one thing that Lowry can't do yet is, or isn't, nah, he can't, it's not like he can't do it. The skill he still needs to develop is shot creation. Now at 7-1, he can shoot shot create a little better, and it's really hard at 7 feet. If you actually think about Durant, which is a, maybe the greatest offensive player in the history of the game, so it's a funny comp, but they're the same size. You just don't see Durant go into the rack that often. You see Durant kind of dribble into a pull-up jump shot. Like, trying to be a seven-footer getting through the lane is really, really hard. On the idea that the Jazz still need a number one option, I mean, if you right now look at the teams that are title contenders, in the East, there's four title contenders in my mind, and they each have one of the top ten players in the league. So Jason Tatum in Boston's the Eastern Conference MVP. Joel Embiid is probably the top five player in the league. Giannis is top one or two, and Durant's top one or three. In the West... Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world offensively, and he's, you know, that's a real title contender. I, I, I'm not willing to go that Sacramento, New Orleans really yet are title contenders, frankly. Like, maybe that's unfair. Um, New Orleans has been so injured and so good. Sacramento's been so good. But title contender, whew, that's a that's a big spot. Like, right now in the West, I think the Warriors are the title contender. They have Steph. And so do you need a number one option? I don't know if you need a number one option. I, I, I just don't know that I think Lowry's going to be a top 5, 10 player in the NBA. He's super good. But if you're going to win a title, you need a top 5, 10 player in the NBA. Um, and so that's where the Jazz probably need a compliment to Lowry. And then Lowry, oh my gosh, if you have him as your next piece, that's awesome. Would you trade Jordan Clarkson so you don't lose him for nothing next year, if not pay him $24 million? Uh, it's also Jordan's option, if I have it correctly. I think Jordan can opt out, so Jordan could actually just become a free agent and you're paying him 30 This these the, this is a fabulous question, and this is the absolute question in which the um, the Utah Jazz are asking um, themselves, is at what point do you need to make sure that you get some value for your players? It also does not have to be Though this is the, you have ultimate control right now. It does not have to be right now, right? It could be, um, it could be done in the off season where Jordan opts out as a free agent and you do some sort of sign and trade or something of that sort. Um, Jordan's contract is 14.2 million next year, which is, is a bargain. He will opt out. Jordan will get more than 14 on the open market next year. Um, so he will opt out. So the 24 you're probably projecting is that you're going to have to pay him that with his extension. And is Jordan just someone you want here forever um, or for a long period of time? That's the reality. Um, the guys under contract next year, Colin at 17, Lowry at 17, and then the Jazz have an option on Malik at 16, and then that's kind of it. Jared Vanderbilt at 4.7, Ochai Abaji at 4, Simone Foncecchio at 3, Walker at 2.8. So the rookies. Um 
and then we uh, everyone else. So yeah, on Kelly Olynyk, who is non guaranteed next year, on Jordan Clarkson, who's a player option, on Taylor Horton Tucker, in theory, is a player option, but I think he'll exercise it. Um, Rudy Gay, I think, will exercise it. You have to make a decision of whether or not you need to go get something of some sort of asset for them now rather than later. Um, all right, I wanted to do points game, but these questions are so great. So um, we'll continue and uh, take a few more questions and maybe do a very, very quick points gained um, at the end of the show. This has been a big week for Locked on Jazz. Um, and now I can tell you why. This show is in part brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel became our official sportsbook partner for Locked On. It's America's number one sportsbook. And they FanDuel is now the official betting partner for Locked On. Uh, and it's pretty great for us to have the number one sportsbook out there as our betting partner. And it's great for you too because if you're new to FanDuel... You have this amazing deal because of it. $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance for a bigger payout with same game parlay. All on the app that is safe and secure and super easy to use. So, football fans, don't miss out. This weekend, place your $5 bet. To get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the LockedOn, and we like to welcome them as the official sportsbook partner of, excuse me, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. We like to welcome the official sportsbook partner of LockedOn. All right, let's get back to your questions. Thanks so much for making LockedOn your first listen today. Thank you so much for your fabulous, fabulous, fabulous questions today theoretically, I love these. They're all theoretical. The Jazz have the assets to trade for the equivalent of a 2022 Mitchell and Gobert, two top 25 players. Who are these players and how competitive would the team be? This is, I love the mindset here. Like, okay, we trade, we, we got value for this. We now have value to be able to go do something else of that nature. And, you know, do you believe in a Trey Young, who I think a lot of people think is the next piece, the next major player that's going to be available? Would you want that on your roster? There's a lot of people who are questioning whether that's what you want on your roster. Um, do you believe in an Anthony Simons? That's There's a heavy rumor that they kind of know they have to shake up that backcourt, that they're just doing the same thing over again in Portland. Um, who are the top 25 players in the league that might become available somewhere in this process? Um, you know, it, I don't think Bradley Beal's contract makes him at all available in any way, shape, or form. Chicago, Zach Levine, they, that that loss last night to be like is a ground shaking loss in Chicago. Is Pascal Siakam available out of Toronto, and is that worth doing um, something massive of that sort? Um, I don't think D'Angelo Russell classifies in any way, shape, or form, but he's certainly probably a player that's available in the West. There seem to be less of those kind of moving pieces, um, but it's a it's a fun question because you th- this is the essence of where the Jazz are. They have all of these kind of assets. Do you think once Lowry's announced as an all-star, the Jazz are going to legit try to start tanking? Related question, are the Jazz only going to think through trade, or do you think it's possible we tank by who we put on the floor? I I really, really think this is important. I I do not see the Jazz orchestrating outcome by player moves intentionally this season. Uh, Either way, is what I said. Like, I don't see them making a bunch of moves to try to orchestrate an outcome this year. Um i.e. not playing players, i.e. trading players to make sure we lose. I just don't see it. And the idea that the All-Star game has an impact on how we've approached things seems to be, really should have been thrown out the window when we traded Donovan and we traded Rudy because that was clear that wasn't the case. 
Why have the not Jazz done more to up their lottery odds? Sure, outliers like Jokic and Giannis, but 60 to 70% of the top 10 guys are uh, top five picks. Number f- in 14, the Jazz won 25, then 51. One year doesn't kill culture, but it could significantly up your odds of drafting. I mean, I think because the players are good. They really never unloaded their roster, right? They had middle-of-the-pack games played, middle-of-the-pack playoff experience. They just, they didn't unload the roster. Maybe it's out of respect for what an amazing fan base we have and that we're a part of. All right, a few quick rant questions and then we'll see if we do a quick points game. Do you think the NBA needs to stop guys like Zion from being an all-star starter without playing many games? Lowry was snubbed. Um, I actually would say I think Jaw was snubbed, but I understand the positional positional situation there. Um, yes, I think it's a great idea. Um I think that that is the next step, is that you have to play a certain amount of games to be eligible for the All-Star. Do fans attend away games to the extent team fans attend our home games? It's a really interesting question. In Phoenix, yes. In a few surround, few unique markets, there's a higher jazz presence than you might think. Actually, Detroit always feels like that. Um, one of the things that actually happens in our market sometimes is that fans in L.A. and, and, and San Francisco can get tickets um, to our games. Um, more than they would otherwise. Who would be... Oh, wait, here's the question. Who would David Locke vote for All-Star starters? So I don't know if I'm fitting the mold, but my Western Conference starters would probably be Steph, Ja, Luka, Jokic, and LeBron. My Western Conference starters would be Tatum and Bede, Giannis, Durant, and Donovan, with Halliburton a close second. Let's go check points gained. Um, and see what points gained would say for starters. Now, understanding that centers get increased value in points gained because we like the dunk. So let's see what we get. I ran the numbers, but I have not looked at them. So in points gained, our Western Conference starters would be Nikola Jokic. He's the number one points gained player in the NBA at 4.3. Points gained, by the way, if you're new to this, is our offensive metric that's unique to locked on that are exclusive to Locked On, that judges how a player uses their possessions, scoring opportunities compared to league average, and how many points they score more than league average. So the top five guys in the league this year are Jokic at 4.3 points per night, better than league average. That's one of the high all-time high scores. Durant, 4.1. Steph Curry, 3.4. Anthony Davis, 3.3. Joel Embiid, 3.2. Lowry Markkinen, 3.2. Usually we have three players over three. We, we right now have six. Zion Williamson, 2.9. Dame Lillard, 2.8. Dematis Sabonis, 2.7. Nick Claxton in Brooklyn, 2.3. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 2.3. So in the West, our, starter, our starters would be Jokic, Curry. I don't think AD's played enough games. Lowry. I don't think Zion's played enough games. Lillard. And then we'd go with two centers and have Sabonis. Um, so... Uh, that would be our Western Conference starters, purely offense. On the East, Durant, Embiid, Nick Claxton comes in there. That's interesting. Probably not what we expected. Um, Ignoring some centers, Boyan Bogdanovich and Donovan Mitchell would be the next two Western Conference starters. And then Jason Tatum Right after that. So if you took out Claxton, you'd end up with Durant, Embiid, Boyan, Donovan, and Tatum. That's pretty great that Boyan's in there. 
But those are pretty close to what we would expect. Um, anyway, right? That's that's pretty darn close to to the regular guys. Um, so points gained kind of nails it. Um, Utah Jazz point gained right now for the season. Lowry is just great. 3.2. That's incredible. That's why we're winning. Kelly Olenek's 1.3. It'll be great to get him back, hopefully, maybe even today or tomorrow. Um, Walker, 1.3. Doing a great job. Colin Sexton, 0.8. That's really good for a guard. That's super. That's We should be giving Colin... He has a role. And Will Hardy is using him to his maximum. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt's a 0.4. Alexander Walker is a 0.4, which is amazing considering he was the least efficient player in the NBA a year ago. Oche Abaji is 0.1. Jordan Clarkson's a minus 0.4. Mike Conley's a minus 0.7. Malik Beasley's a minus 1.1. Taylor Horton Tucker's a minus 1.3. Rudy Gay's a minus 1.1. Last 10 games. Let's do a quick scan of that for the league and the Utah Jazz and see what everyone thinks. Uh, Quickly, the hottest players in the NBA. Dame Lillard at 6.9, Jokic at 6.3, then Keegan Murray in Sacramento, Joel Embiid, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Norman Powell, Jonas Valanciunas, Cameron Johnson back for Phoenix, Jalen Durant in Detroit, Clint Capella, Boyan Bogdanovich, D'Angelo Russell, that's a huge surprise. For the Utah Jazz recently, last 10 games, Lowry 2.3, Ochai Abaji 0.9, Alexander Walker 0.7, I got something funky. Oh, what's going on? Something weird's going on here. We're missing missing a player. Uh, Rudy Gay, negative 0.2. Jordan Clarkson, 0.2. Taylor Horton Tucker, 0.2. Walker Kessler, 1.2. Jared Vanderbilt, negative 0.2. And Malik Beasley, minus 3. That is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks so much for tuning in. A mini points gained edition. Great questions. I had one last question that was asked, and I didn't get to it. Um, but I just want to throw it up there because the late, great Tom Nasalki and I used to ask this question all the time. How many teams does Michael Jordan win the title with? The answer is 30. And if you're there, an NBA player, you could put to, on the Jazz for Team 49. Who would it be? Discuss. I think it's Giannis. But it might be Nicole Jokic. If you could add one player to the Utah Jazz, who would it be? Have a great one. Thanks very much for tuning in.